another episode of Cross Street Coaching. Onward into the reluctant entrepreneur journey. We are about to kick off another episode in our series. This is a show that is normally about personal and professional development, leadership, business, all from a coach's point of view. But we have been running with our entrepreneur series, our flavor of entrepreneurship called The Reluctant Entrepreneur. And today, we're going to talk about failure, dun, dun, dun. which is an absolutely very meaty topic from a coach's point of view, because traditionally, when in an entrepreneur or any sort of professional's journey, this is exactly when usually coaches are tapped. So mm-hmm. Diana, this is something that you had suggested for, for today's topic. So I'm interested in hearing your thoughts. I've got plenty, plenty <laughs> to share. Yeah. So, and then three big things that I think are the most important for the luxury entrepreneur. But why don't you kind of tell me, Ooh, like, excited. hey, when, I'm yeah, yeah. To hear your things as you should be. But tell me a little bit about what kind of prompted you to say, let's focus on failure, because mm-hmm. I think this comes up a lot, especially a lot more recently with things like Brene Brown, what's vulnerable, makes you beautiful, which gets mentioned like so much on this podcast. But take it away. Yeah. So we had, you know, as for those for those who are just tuning in now and have not been with us on the journey, we talked about what is a reluctant entrepreneur and risk and then money because I think a lot of the risk associated or when people think about why they wouldn't be an entrepreneur or if they tried to be an entrepreneur and didn't work, right? Their risk tolerance and also the financial component are the main I think often the main pieces. But I think the other main piece and perhaps the undercurrent beneath all of that is failure. Will you fail? What does it even mean to fail? You know, when does learning, like what's the difference between learning and failing, <laughs> right? You know, and, and people having that attitude. But I, I think a lot of times, you know, even if someone had the money Um, and they maybe have the risk tolerance, you know, the kind of what will other people think? Or what will I do if I fail? And also, it's painful, man. (laughs) It's it's painful. When you try to do something, and you're told no, or and I so I think that there's some, there's some relationship, I think, between failure and rejection. I don't know that that's, it's not an equal kind of there is no rejection without failure and vice versa. Um, but I will say for myself in my own journey, especially to become a MCC with the ICF, the, the process of failing. And there's another podcast on that. There's a podcast. I was a guest on another show and we talk about failing MCC because it's, you know, aspiring to be the very top of the craft and you do all this work and then you go and nope, <laughs> the gates don't open. <laughs> like your key doesn't work. And so I think, I think that this is one of those factors that people are potentially so terrified of that they won't even try. And, um, you know, though on the surface level, and on the kind of logistical level, I think people hesitating to be an entrepreneur because of financial reasons is very true. That's very legit. But I would say often underneath that, or a part of that, or maybe right next to it, is what if they fail? It makes sense to me. I mean, if someone is becoming an entrepreneur because they have this passion, they have this drive, this need, they see something out there. Traditionally, the interconnection between 
whatever product and service that they're offering and themselves is is a pretty it's pretty thin, right? So if someone doesn't if the business doesn't succeed, then that's a reflection on that person, right? If you don't buy my product, it means you don't like me. So the rejection component is is pretty high. No one likes being turned away. Yeah, and and it you know, it dates back to I think for some people more than others, it's kind of like the herd mentality, you know, back in the day if you have some people who you have the lone wolves and you have the people who will break off and start their own packs. Um, but then, you know, whether we want to look at evolution or animals, you know, there are ways that if you're on your own or you're alone, you may not survive. And that's uh, coded. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a scientist, but I would say at some level that's coded into our DNA and like humans are social creatures And, you know, I think the, I just think it's, I think it's interesting because, you know, it's, if we try something new and we don't have emotional attachment to it and it doesn't work, or if it's something you really want, you'll potentially try again. But when you're putting your livelihood and your reputation and your relationships and your, so much of who we are is wrapped up in what we do for work. Like, I I don't know who said this, but someone was talking about like how, Americans are the culture that is like, what do you do? <laughs> right? yeah. Because as in like, what do you do defines who you are? So the thing is, is that if what you do defines who you are, then the idea of failing, um, then it's that it's not just, oh, I failed at that. It's that I am a failure. It's an interesting kind of spirit of embodiment. Like I was reading about, I was reading about um, kind of the psychological component of saying like, I'm a healthy eater versus I eat healthy, the idea of embodiment. And then um, a friend of mine said that, you know, in Gaelic, it's not I am sad, it's that sadness is upon me. So I think if we look at failure is upon me, or I tried this thing, and it didn't work, if people don't embody that, we're able to, you know, the fall down seven times, get up eight kind of thing, we understand that there's bumps and bruises along the way. Um, But it's, it seems like I would say for many, especially given the reluctance of the reluctant entrepreneur, I'm guessing if your reluctance, whether your reluctance is or is about money, or is or isn't about passion or product, that what's going to happen if I fail is part of it. And for some people, it's what happens if I succeed. And that's actually where the fear is based. Um, but I am going to go ahead and say that I'm guessing that the fear of failure is more common. Most people by the time they reach you know, teenage and above and above have experienced some sort of failure. And this is where I, from a, from a coach's point of view, that failure is a very difficult teacher because of how much it bruises your ego. It's actually very difficult to learn from failure. The fact that most people don't learn from it Mm. is what I've seen is that in, in coaching sessions, people bring up failures and really, really struggle to get past it because of how much it really impacts and how much it really sucks. Mm. And so when people are placing that as a, another seed into their reluctance, it's mostly because they're thinking on past failures and imagining what a failure of this proportion. Because like you said, most people, when we meet someone and go, oh, so, so what do you do? What do you do for a living? I'm like, yeah, oh. I'm a failure. <laughs> I'm a failure. Like, that's yeah. intense, like Debbie Downer. Yeah. <laughs> or be like, I don't, I don't do anything. Then you're like, oh, this person's yeah, a lazy bum. Yeah, I tried bum. to do this and it didn't work. 
So it's really common for people to say, oh, well, I'm a professional coach or I work in HR or I work at this company or, or I run a team or I work at a SaaS company. And it's a very moment of pride. So it's, it's a very normalized thing. It's not like something that's crazy. So to map that onto the reluctant entrepreneur's journey, it is absolutely if they're mapping back a previous failure onto our, their possible current failure, it's a very strong force because of how painful failure is that I don't think it's actually, it should be logically, it should be a great teacher. But practically, from what I've seen is that we actually don't learn from failure a lot. Well, it's interesting, though, because a lot of times people don't pay attention unless it hurts, (laughs) unless Mm -hmm. it burns. And sometimes the things that come to us easy in life, people don't appreciate as much like there's a tendency to appreciate what we've worked for. So there seems to be kind of on the continuum. There's a point at which, oh, well, this is really difficult and I did it, but I succeeded. And then there's a point at which where it was so difficult and um, it didn't work out. But then there's that identity component where it doesn't become, oh, that didn't work or I need to try another way. It becomes failure. And I was talking to another entrepreneur about this and they said, well, you know, I tried this and I failed. And so I had to go back to corporate. And I said, well, but you learned. I mean, the things that he learned. So now that he's an entrepreneur again, he's, he's got all of these lessons that came from the first round. So, you know, the distinction between learning and failing, it's kind of like it's easier for kids to pick up a language. It's easier for kids to pick up like a new sport because they're going to fall over. Like they're going to fall over. They're going to mess up. Like they're going to say the words wrong, but it's just, it's part of learning. And then as we get older and we expect to just be able to do things off the gate, it's, uh, it's, it becomes that more identity piece, like I should know this, or I should do this. And then people are identifying, I think, with the failure. So I, I think that when you look at the reluctant entrepreneur, what people have to ask themselves is how much of this is a fear of failure. And I think for some people, maybe flipping that question to say, how much is this a fear of success? Because it may and will likely change your whole life. Yeah, because I mean, what what happens if you do succeed? You ha- then it's real. Then you're committed, and you start venturing into something unknown. For most of our reluctant entrepreneurs, that vision of success is such like a lottery ticket. Like they kind of think about it, but to actually practically be there is going to venture into some unknown territory, which is very very scary. And so kind of what you're discussing about is one of the second points that I think about failure is that most people take the wrong, the wrong lessons when they experience Mm. a failure is they feel like things aren't safe or, you know, a lot of people go, well, this is completely messed up. So I've got to go back to a regular job. And it comes a lot from, from, from my vantage point about framing, about how people set up things and a lot, the very, very common mentality is you win or you learn. Now, as someone that has previously been on a very long learning streak, <laughs> I know personally that, again, there's this logical component that certainly makes it all sense, especially in retrospect, when you are after it and looking back and you're like, oh, well, this was so easy. And why did I make this a big deal? But we traditionally learn some of the wrong lessons. And from and the entrepreneurs that I've worked with, is it usually is tied with loss, with with the loss of profits. 
And it's interesting because if I said to you, Diana, I want you to invest $50,000 into a business. How does that sound? I mean, that's a lot of money. (laughs) That's a lot of money. But an investment, just kind of that word, that framing. The word investment means something different versus I want you to sink 50 grand into this. (laughs) Or I said, hey, it costs you $25,000 to start a business. And your first year, you're probably going to lose $25,000. Yeah. It's well, it's the loss. Yeah. It's the, the loss. loss, the pain of loss. And because, well, I mean, we have loss aversion, right? That's part of, you know, it's part of the science of the DNA, like run from the totally. lion is more, is, is a stronger emotion. Yeah. The zero sum game, right? You're playing not really to like win. Just, you just don't want to lose. You don't want to lose money. You don't want this to be a failure. You don't want the business to go down. But part of, part of being able to navigate that waters is the challenge for our reluctant entrepreneur. Yeah. What um I'm curious on the wrong lessons because to me it's like there's lessons and like what we do. So what do you mean by people learn the wrong lessons? So sometimes when people start up like starting up a business and it's not an immediate overnight success mm. because of people's previous failures, they're looking for any immediate sign that this was a bad idea to mm. pull the ripcord. Right. And our culture is very much in tuned for intensity rather than consistency. Whereas to actually build a business over time requires consistent dedication. But what we see, right, a lot of articles, even ones that talk about fail, I, I love this because it's like, oh, well, the media is really negative. Okay. Well, if you look at any story about a business person that's experienced failure. It's always now that they're successful looking back about their first restaurant that's that crashed and burned. Be like, yeah, we lost a million dollars in that one. But now I run this two Michelin star and you can see chef, you know, chef Joseph over at dot, 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 dot. It's always like that. The articles are always about someone that is now successful looking back, talking about failure. You never just hear an article about someone that has failed and that's the end. And doesn't that, doesn't that suck? Yeah. Right? So we only view failure and when we're consuming articles and leadership things, when someone is currently successful looking back, there's not a whole lot of content in this in the middle of someone's failure where it's very difficult, very painful. And again, f- from what I have seen with clients is that most people learn that this type of risk is not safe. Don't put yourself out there. People will reject you. People are not trustworthy. Right. And so it becomes a very kind of that's the lesson that failure does teach people become more guarded as a response because of that damage to the ego and how interconnected the work that they're doing and who they are. Like we've been talking about that identity piece, um, how closely those things are aligned. And it's interesting, too, because it's like there's most of the things on Earth are in cycles, (laughs) right? The tides. The sun mm-hmm. and the moon, you know, it, it, if you thought about it as I think there's a perception in business or life that we're supposed to be successful all the time. And, and the cyclical, sometimes there's revenue, sometimes there's not just how, you know, sometimes it's winter and sometimes it's summer. There seems to be this unrealistic expectation where you just are going to maintain it all the time. And then that's what success is. But you know, if you think about it is like, if, if you're failing, you know, one, I, you know, that that's not a word that really resonates with me. But it's like, if you are failing at something, what are you learning from that? Is mm-hmm. it a failed product? Is it, 
you know, that you don't have the revenue that you need? Is it that you don't have the support you need? Is it that you haven't identified your ideal client? So it's just, you know, when the night comes, you could curse the night and you could curse the winner, <laughs> but they're coming anyway. <laughs> like we, there has to, the tide goes out and it comes in and you can fight that, but it's, you're wasting your energy. <laughs> so I think one of the things to look at is if business like things on earth have cycles, then there's going to be times where you're up and there's going to be times where you're down and you can work to kind of try to narrow that focus. So your upswings, you know, your downswings aren't so harsh. And what are you learning from your downswings? But I think the difference for me when you look at resilience or we talk about resourceful and whole is when something doesn't work, really taking a close look and examining, okay, what do I learn from that? And how did that change my behavior? And in some ways, I think people don't look at their wins close enough or their successes. A lot of times when people are successful, like luck is not a strategy, <laughs> right? Like no, hope is not a no. strategy, but there's a way that if something, I think sometimes if businesses are successful out the gate, like you'll see this a lot with startups where as they try to scale or expand or just, you know, it's time to not be a startup anymore. They, because they hit that quote unquote success or that money or there's dollars, there's all these ingrained habits <laughs> and practices that may lead to their downfall, right? Rome fell, you know, like these big, big giants can fall. Titans fell too. <laughs> right? mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I think maybe that's with the reluctance, you know, a theme in this podcast has been, hey, does examining your reluctance to do this, how could that actually serve you? So I think it's looking at quote unquote failure in the same way. Um, I think for some people, just looking at it as learning is important. But if it is failing, what does that mean? And and when I failed MCC, it was really sweet because people were like, oh, no, you're not a failure. And I was like, no, I failed. Like I like mm -hmm. I literally failed. And uh and someone was like, listen, you know, you're X number of years ahead of this game and you're gonna you're gonna do this again. You're gonna apply again. And then I was talking to another friend of mine and I said, Well, you know, I'm gonna apply again. And if I fail again, I'll probably like, you know, I tried. <laughs> and she looked at me and she's like, Really? <laughs> like you're gonna stop? And I was like, Oh, you're right, I'm not gonna stop. Like I'm gonna keep knocking on that door until they let me in. So, but in the moment, that was pretty powerful. But and it was, but I think I think actually one of the lessons for me, like I'm a better mentor now because I failed. And mm -hmm. I don't even normally like or use or resonate with the word failure, but to have it say like, hey, these exams did not pass. I serve my students and coaches in a better way because I'm like, hey, you can fail this. And if you fail this, it's not gonna be the end. Like it's only it's only failure if you stop, <laughs> right? Like fall down. Are you going to fall down seven period? Or are you going to fall down seven and stand up eight kind of thing? But it's, it's hard and humbling in the moment. But I'll say for my own journey, I don't usually ask for help. You know, I support other people. I love community. I love being in a community for support. Um, but I don't, my automatic response is to support others. It's not to let others support me. And my Enneagram says that <laughs> as well. <laughs> like we could go into that. Um, so I think in some ways for me to actually be vulnerable and be able to say, I don't know if I can do this allows people to show up for me in my life in a way that I need and 
they wouldn't necessarily know to show up for me. So it, it hurts and then I don't like it and I would rather just be successful <laughs> and not fail. But I, I think one of the things, and, and I've said this before, is that as you look at this thing, is, is, is that going to stop you? And one of the other components that you talked about earlier is that when something is very easy, you don't value it as much. Most people don't. So, yeah. I mean, if so they have what, a dedicated gratitude practice, they might. But I think yeah. a lot of times, stereotypically, people value what they fought for. 100%. When you have to wait in line for, well, I mean, back in the day when you had to wait in line for concert tickets, right? It was part of the whole experience. Like, I gotta go. Like, now we can, you just like basically tap refresh on your, you know, your phone or whatever. But part of the experience of going to see a live music when you didn't have access was being able to invest the time to get it, how much you procured that experience. And the same thing for our entrepreneurs is that people that experience success early on don't value it as much as people that have fought tooth and nail to get there. And part of that becomes their story. Like you said, because you have because of your experience with your first round on the MCC exam, that allows you to support other people better. Whereas people that have knocked it out of the park don't have that to contribute to others. And what we want and what we need are very often two different things. A lot mm-hmm. of people want to like immediately start a business and just have it be successful. Because well, no, we all, yeah, we like, all, you all know, of us. I want a million dollars in a beach house. And hey, you know, if you want a pony, like, you know, <laughs> We all have mm-hmm. things we want. And the other thing is that you mentioned that this was very cyclical, right? It, like the tides. So success is going to go out. But if it is something you're consistent, it eventually can come back in some form or another. It may not just be the form that we've intended, which is, you know, a chilling dollar net revenue, right? Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting what you said about investment because it it changes the way we look at things. Because if you make something and it's successful, there's only so long without innovation that it will continue to be successful because the world's going to change even if your product doesn't. Mm-hmm. But to fail means you're pushing the edges of that you're trying new things or you know sometimes it's out of your control you know think about the businesses there were a lot of successful businesses that closed during covid and then there were a lot of businesses that opened during covid so you know sometimes it's factors that aren't in our control but in looking at you know i was i was scared of something i don't even remember what it was but um, thankfully, someone said, you know, it's good that you're scared. It means you're learning. It means that you're trying new things because we, we have this thing where it, it feels, it feels paralyzing. And so I think a lot of people won't, won't try it because if I try it and I fail, well, then, you know, then who will I be? I, I don't think that these links to our identity and safety aren't necessarily conscious. And I, I think that that's some of the value of, you know, as we, as you people work with coaches or do this self-reflection, it's, it's seeing like, how, how do our limiting beliefs or how do the things that we believe or quote unquote, know actually drive us and we don't even realize it. The, there's a strategy aspect too when, when someone is starting up, which is similar to how people invest, like in the stock market, right? Are you going to like YOLO, you only live <laughs> once and you put all your money in a single stock or do you have a divested portfolio where you're kind of putting it in different things? So as someone starting a business, you know, there, there are 
some successes to businesses having one product and one product only at launch and putting everything in that. Right. So something like a, like a Slack where this is like kind of like all they had was, you know, they started very, very laser focused, but that's not the, that's one strategy. That's not the only strategy. So that if one piece doesn't really take off, then the whole thing doesn't go down. And again, we, we talked about this, of course, in the last previous episodes, which is when we started our journey we, uh, for Hawthorne Union and I came on board, it was to, to take one single product, which was continual coach education. Now that didn't take off, but we, you had other things in the pipeline. And I think that's a really good strategy to consider for a lot of our Relunctia entrepreneurs, which is to think of your, your entry place. How can you make sure that there's not one single point of failure? That is the only ripcord you have. That may be a, a strategy, but it's not the only one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's like, so... I, uh, it's kind of like if you break your arm or you have an injury and then you Mm -hmm. have to use your non-dominant hand, like you might not be as fast, you might not be as strong, but there's a versatility in that. And, you know, so I, I know how to mouse both handed. So like, and, you know, because of playing piano and all that stuff, I have a little bit more versatility with two hands than I, than I necessarily do with one. So when you think about product, it's the same kind of thing because it never occurred to me to have a podcast. But then this amazing person, Jason Spector, <laughs> joined Hawthorne Union. Hey, that's that's me. <laughs> and, and thankfully, you know, you wanted a podcast, and and it's it's funny because I lo- I love this thing. <laughs> I love this. I love these conversations. I love that we have this. It services clients and coaches and like you know strangers and people that we've never met. But it was never on the list. And so I think the thing is, too, is that the challenge is if someone is looking to be an entrepreneur and you have passion about it, more than likely it's your dream or it's your baby. And if someone says your baby's ugly or it feels like your dream is dying, then that's a risk that some people don't feel comfortable taking. Um, and obviously, if that's a financial risk, that's a really big deal. But I, I think from a from the failure perspective, it's kind of like, what would you do if no one was watching? Like, would you do it anyway? How much grit do you have? How much persistence do you have? How much do you care what other people think? And then all of this talk about failure doesn't apply only to entrepreneurs, obviously. But then I think people need to think about how is your life serving you or not? And then is it worth is it worth trying something that maybe you don't know how to do there's another framing aspect in terms of what you define as success you know and that's what i thought of when you brought up the podcast cuz for me the podcast wasn't about having crazy skyrocketing viewership numbers because there's a million and a half business podcasts out there for me it was just i wanted a, a vessel to talk about things that i thought were important i really liked podcasts i wanted to talk with other fellow coaches and that was the only terms for success. So in by the the definitions that I set up from the beginning, you know, the podcast is wildly successful for me, even though, you know, before there are some times where I didn't post consistently, which, you know, so there are frames that if I looked and compared my podcast to other business podcasts out there that have a bunch of ad revenue and it's doing all this, I could see it as a failure. But because of the terms of success that I've set up, I think that this is very much a success and I really enjoy doing it. And the same thing for a reluctant entrepreneur. If you know they are looking at their business compared to their competitors 
and feeling like they're either ahead or behind, that can be a motivational tool or it can be a complete deterrent. And I think that's one of the things to recognize in how processing failure, rather than just like the painful aspect, when you have some distance and reflect, think about how you set yourself up, how you responded and what you set as the success criteria, right? Because for some people, and obviously we, we talk about like food and weight loss a lot because it's very easy to wrap around goal setting. Some people set on the scale and get demotivated and be like, oh, I didn't lose as much as I want. I just might as well give up. And some people step on that and be like, all right, I've got, I made a little bit of progress, but I got to keep working at it if I want to do more. And that's, that's a very, uh, that's another part of identity that some pieces of failure get wrapped up in, which is how you respond to motivation. Yeah. I think that's a really good point in thinking about if failure is a fear, which at some point it probably is, whether consciously or unconsciously, whether on Mm -hmm. a small scale or a large scale, how are you setting up your success measures? And how realistic are those success measures? Because that's that's one of the things like, what would you do if you knew you could not fail? But it's a legitimate question. (laughs) Because you'd probably try a lot more and be a lot braver and I think that that's some of what we're looking at is that, you know, failure, failure is a teacher. It's a more painful teacher, but you know, that's how we learn. Mm-hmm. Or you listen to podcasts and you listen to other people mess up so yeah. that you just don't do the same thing. <laughs> that's a really good teacher exactly. to like other people messing up. Yeah. But that's another vote, I think, for ne- your network mm-hmm. rather than kind of the mindset which is the reluctant entrepreneur has to do it alone. They have to solve it, right? You just got to really like rip your knuckles and figure this out. And if you don't crack it, then you're not cut out for this, which is relying on other people. Obviously, we're big fans of coaches here. But if it's not coaches, a network group or other business owners, sometimes that's what's really, really great is building that network with other business owners that are not your direct competitors that you can synergistically kind of work with or just learn and understand from. Yeah. So it's funny. So um, I'm going to talk about tarot for a minute, which is unusual for me to mix my business and my uh, my tarot side. But the tarot is essentially the fool's journey. So there's the fool. And then there's all these people that the fool meets along the way. And it's like the idea of all these lessons. And the lessons are different, you know, and there's different types of energy, there's different types of to things at play. So I think the thing is, and same thing, hero's journey, right? Hero's journey, fool's journey, if we look at any kind of journey, people know that there's going to be that ebb and flow. They're going to learn different things along the way. But then you you have to you keep going. It's only a failure if you stop. And well, Diana, I'm not saying, why did they call it the fool's journey? <laughs> and I'm not saying I'm not saying I think sometimes choosing not to pursue something or not keep going. And for some people, which may be quote unquote accepting failure. I think sometimes that's actually the success to say, you know, I thought this was going to be a thing or I thought this was going to be the business, but to actually decide when it's time for something to end or close, that's important. But to me, that's not failure. That's discernment. It's looking at the information and deciding, is this worth the investment? Do, am I seeing a return on investment? So maybe, maybe that's just the way for people to look at it. Instead of failure, it's looking at it as investment. Yeah, I mean, that word, even that word, right? If you think of profit loss versus the word investment, they already have the kind of positive and negative charge. 
So I, I really like that example to think about that because that's the first time where someone can conceptually wrap their head around what, how an outcome can be changed with a framing. Yeah. And speaking of framing, you know, loss is a powerful motivator. So there are ways that, you know, if you think about motivation traits, um, there's a book called Words That Change Minds. I think it's out of print now. But one of the things that they talk about is, you know, are you moving towards a goal or away from a consequence? And while in coaching, we have a tendency to try to move people towards a goal as opposed to away from a consequence, away from a consequence is a very powerful motivation. So for some people looking at failure and talking about what we're talking about, like there is no failure, you're not going to fail, that actually may zap people's motivation. Because maybe their motivation to be an entrepreneur is I refuse to fail and let me push against the failure. So I think a lot of this at the root of this is awareness, right? How does it serve you? How does it not serve you? Is this motivating you? Do you like how you're being motivated? And then if so, you know, keep going with it. Yeah, it's a very coach centric way. The avoid versus approach goal setting, right? If someone is avoiding, and sometimes they're appropriate, right? If you have uh, like diabetes and you need to take your medication to avoid getting sick, well, that's an appropriate avoid goal. But an approach goal, like I eat my vegetables every day to keep healthy, right? That kind of feels very, very nebulous. But approach goals can be much more stronger. And the same in business, which is that zero sum game. Are you just trying not to lose money? Or mm-hmm. do you have certain goals in order to be successful? That success criteria. And that's right. It's a very entry, entry coaching um, starting point, which is moving away from all the avoid goals and two approach goals on what does success look like? Mm-hmm. Okay, what does it take to get there? What if you couldn't fail? What would you do? And getting them to ideate by just temporarily putting the fear of failure on the side and then working in with permission, right? And that's where a lot of strength for entrepreneurs get from working with a coach. And now if you're listening to this podcast, I guess you, I guess you just do what we just told you and then that's it. You're easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did we talk about your your three components of failure? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which you know that failure, while it's great in concept, is kind of a terrible teacher because it's hard, right? It hurts. It sucks. And if we do learn from failure, it's we lose. Sometimes we learn the wrong lessons, and it's not a lesson in patience. And then lastly, is that in order to extract the proper lessons, it usually takes more than what it takes a lot more intention. Those are those are the three things that I was going to hone in, and we talked about all those, right? Yeah. Which is th- this last part. Anything else you're feeling on failure, Diana? Before we, yeah, put a pin in it. I think so. I'm I'm very invested in support and community, and I think that this is one of those places where it's essential. And if someone doesn't want to share what's happening in their lives because they don't feel comfortable sharing then the podcasts and the books and the resources that are out there are really important or the mentors or the coaches or the therapists or you know the the community of peers that can go through it with you i think that this is really important so people don't feel alone in it cuz it it's unlikely that you're you're facing something that no one has ever faced <laughs> to, to try to do something that no one's ever done and i think that some people may feel discouraged by that. They really want to innovate in that way. But 
in my in my sense of it, it's looking at there's it means that there's support. And I think some of it too is about having curiosity. Like let's let's not grip so tight on what it needs to look like or what the timeline needs to be or how it's supposed to be that you know, if if we have curiosity and we're kind of like, I'm going to go down this path and see what I learn, then it doesn't hurt as much. And then, you know, if if you are going to if you're going to go down a path and see what you learn, you actually can't fail <laughs> as long as you learn something, <laughs> because you can learn. Oh well, this path is a really good path for me. Great. So some of it is, you know, as as we look at identity and perspective, and you know whether whether someone's coming to this from the reluctant entrepreneur and looking at how to apply this from an entrepreneur perspective or just more general, it's how do you look at the world? Is that serving you? What are you learning? And how can you use what you're learning? Um, and yeah, sometimes those lessons are painful, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean it's over. Wise words from a now certified yes. MCC coach. Yep. They, they locked Diana. me out and then mm-hmm. they let me in in the end. <laughs> <laughs> well, excellent. I think this is a good place for us to wrap up. Where can people find out more about you? Mm-hmm. So HawthorneUnion.com and LinkedIn and some of the references I was making to failure. Um, If you are a coach and on the MCC path or just interested in hearing me talk more about kind of failed attempts, um, on our resources page, uh, there's a, you can filter by topic. I mean, you can filter by the reluctant entrepreneur. You can also filter by MCC um, and learn a little bit more about my path there. Because I just think, I think it's important to know that the journeys aren't always smooth and frankly aren't usually smooth um, to help you go along the way. Absolutely. Take our advice. Learn from us. <laughs> I am also available on LinkedIn and HawthorneUnion.com. And I've been doing pretty good about putting a few of the call outs and things that we in the notes. So check out for that. Thanks everyone for tuning in. And until next time. <laughs>